Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, Resurrection Life. Good to see all of you this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's such an honor and a, a pleasure to be here. Uh, love your pastors, Pastor Allen and Amy. They are wonderful people, some of the greatest leaders on the planet. And uh, it is such an honor to step into this pulpit this morning and share the word of God. How many of you come with great expectations today? Come on. I don't want to go through another service just to go through another service. I didn't drive all the way from Ocean Springs to Picayune to just go through the motions and check the box. I've come to have an encounter with the Lord. And can we give it up for the worship team this morning? Wasn't that awesome? I'm delighted to be traveling today with my beautiful bride, Tanya, right back here, that beautiful lady. I know I outkicked my coverage. She's a beautiful lady. And uh, Pastor Sean, one of my associates right back here, and his lovely wife, Casey, really my right-hand guy. I've got lots of staff, but he's one of my main guys, and I appreciate him. A little story that's come with them uh, to help at the book table today. But I believe the Lord's given me a word for us this morning. You believe that? I want to talk to you for a few moments about living out your destiny, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You believe that? Plans that are good, not evil. Plans that give you hope and a future. And if you're going to live the destiny that God has for you, then you're going to have to be intentional about it. Amen? It's not going to happen by accident. Uh, We don't encounter God by accident. God works in our lives in powerful ways, but it's going to be the intentionality. And if if we're going to get something from the service today, it's going to be because we are intentional about it. Like, Lord, I'm here and I'm ready to receive what you have for my life. So if you would stand in honor, I'm an old school guy. Stand in honor of the reading of God word, God's word, and maybe that's what you do every Sunday. Uh, but Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. And as we live out our destiny along that road, we will experience some defining moments. And what we're about to read is a defining moment in the life of Joshua uh, for the children of Israel and getting them in to the promised land. I am thankful that heaven awaits six of you praise god i don't know about you but i'm looking forward to heaven but here's what i've discovered i don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience a little bit of heaven so many people live life but the lord said that he's come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly And so I don't want to just live an ordinary life. I don't want to just live a routine life. I want to live, so many people, this is what I've discovered in life, so many people are enduring life and not enjoying it. I I want to enjoy every moment. The Lord may come, may sound. I always say, he's going to toot and we're going to scoot. Come on. Before long, I believe the Lord's going to come. And he may come in this service. He may come for one of us or he may come for all of us. But I want to be ready when he comes. When I stand before him, I want to go out with everything. And I think we need to live that way. Joshua chapter 1, we'll begin reading at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Not good news. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I've said to Moses. 
from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Tigbites, the Mosquito Bites, Bug Bites, all the I family, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall stand, be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I love this part. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. I love that. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, we could just close the book, and uh, we could be inspired and encouraged by that. Amen? Amen. That, that as I was with Moses, Ted, I will be with you. And put your name in that spot, because God wants to go with you wherever you go, and he wants to walk with you. He wants you to live out your destiny. He doesn't want you just to go through another service. He doesn't want you just to get by. He's got a much better life for you. And I love this about God. It's not like you get to a certain level. And like you call on him and he said, like, I'm trying to run the universe, Ted. Like, I'm kind of tapped out here. You have as much of God as you want. You can go to any level that you want to go to. You can either just kind of coast in or you can go in in all the glory. I, I want to go in with everything I have. I don't want to miss any moment. God's called me to preach the gospel, to love people and the pastor people, and I love it. One of the greatest things I do but I want to live my life abundantly in a vivacious way that when the world looks on, they see something different about my life that's attractional to them. And it may be that the world doesn't want anything the church has to offer because they don't see anything worthwhile. So if we're going to change the world, we got to be different from the world. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord of hosts. So if we're going to live out our destiny, we're called to live it in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord first and foremost and different from the world. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want the church to look like the world. We are the church. It's not the building. Y'all are building a beautiful place. But we are the church. And we got to live it out. Father, in these next few moments, I pray that your anointing would just rest on your servant one more time. I pray that you would guide my thoughts, that, Lord, I would just be a mouthpiece for heaven. Thank you for resurrection life. Thank you for Pastor Allen and Amy. Thank you for their friendship. Thank you for what you're doing through them. I pray your richest blessings over them today. Thank you for all the ways they've encouraged my life. And I just pray, God, that you'll just send the multitudes to this place. It's just so they might find food, Lord might find rest for their weary souls. And Lord, thank you for a safe haven. Thank you for a place called Resurrection Life where people can come and experience the love of God. I pray you'll expand that in great ways. And I pray you'll bless our time together. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said,
Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The finding moments are moments in our life that happen four or five times in a person's life where you'll either step forward in faith or step back in fear. Let me say that it's a game changer when you decide to step forward in faith at defining moments in your life because you go to a new level, and I'm thankful that God takes us to new levels. But when you shrink back in fear, it's also a game changer, and you miss out on a lot of things that I believe God wants to, uh, us, us to experience in life. And there have been three or four times in my life that I've faced defining moments, and at the time I didn't always recognize it was a defining moment, but I'm grateful that most of the time God has given me the grace to take the step of faith to move forward. I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't taken those steps of faith at those defining moments, but there have been times when I have taken a step back at a defining moment, and I will never know what could have been. You see, those defining moments determine our destiny, and my destiny will be determined by the decisions I make. Every decision and every choice we make have consequences. I tell young people all the time that you're one choice away from a different life, either good or bad. And you got to be careful about the people you surround your life with. But I want to talk for just a few moments in an introduction to the message today that, that three things my decisions affect. It affects my faith. I'm either growing my faith, nurturing my faith, my family, my, my future, my decisions affect all of those things, and I don't want to do anything that would have a negative impact on my life, on my faith, on my family, or my future. Come on, somebody. I want to make positive decisions and choices that will be positive for my life and for my family and for the things of God. And I believe we're currently witnessing defining moments in history. I think Israel is in a defining moment right now with Hamas, and all of us know the, the tragedy that, that happened not long ago, and Israel is defending themselves, and I would remind us all that those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel will be cursed. I want you to know I stand with Israel today, and I know you do as a church, and I'm grateful for all that the Lord is doing through Israel, and I want to remind us this morning that Israel is God's chosen people. And they've been in many battles, and I want to give them to you for just a moment. I want you to know they had a battle with the Egyptians. You remember that? And they lost. The Egyptians lost. They had a battle with the Philistines, and, and the Philistines lost. And then they had a battle with the Assyrians, and the Assyrians lost. And they had a battle with the Babylonians, and they lost. And they had a battle with the ancient Greeks, and they lost. They had a battle with the Romans, and they lost. They had a battle with the Byzantines, and they lost. The Crusaders and the Nazis, and they lost. And now they're in a current war and battle with Hamas, waiting for another victory. Because when God fights for you, come on. When God fights for you, you can be rest assured of victory. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are not fighting for victory. We were fighting from victory. Victory is already ours because he shed his blood on the cross and died, made an open spectacle of them, disarming all principalities and powers, Colossians tells us. So I'm thankful that I'm not fighting for a victory, but I'm fighting from victory, and I am victorious because of him. Life is a series of transitions. Every one of us this morning is in a state of transition. 
And some of the most significant transitions we will make in life that we will go through are spiritual. How many remember back to the time that God brought you out of the miry clay? And that transitional moment from death unto life, when God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All things have passed away, the Bible says, and behold, all things have become new. Those transitional moments when God changed you, brought you out, and put you on the solid rock to stay. I'll never forget that. I'm a blood-bought, spirit-filled preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I want you to know I got saved at Hilldale Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. I can't tell you what the preacher preached about. All I know is I walked down an aisle and gave my life to Christ and got up from there and I was different. There was something transformative that took place. Old things indeed did pass and something became new. And I'll never forget, never get over the miry clay he brought me out of. But then I went from there to the waters of baptism. How many remember the waters of baptism? Publicly declaring to everybody, this old guy that used to be terrible has now been renewed by the blood of Jesus and now has a testimony and he's different. He talks different, he walks different, he doesn't hang out in the same places. There was a transformative time and then in that moment was a spiritual transition. Then the next transitional period of my life was when God baptized me with his Holy Ghost. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I know your pastor does and without that we don't have any power. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And so that transformative power when God filled my life with the Spirit changed me forever. And I've learned that I don't have to just endure life. I can enjoy it. I wrote a devotional book, 30-day devotional on joy. I feel like the Lord gave me three mandates, and that was to write the first book, Courageous Faith, Overcoming the Obstacles on the Road to Freedom, the whole journey of the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, and then one on joy, and I'm working on one on attitude, because you're in charge of your attitude. I tell our staff all the time, like, life happens to us all, but you get to choose how you respond. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The word mind translated means attitude. So have the same attitude as Christ. I told our congregation not long ago, I said, listen, Jesus never had a bad attitude. So if you're going to have his attitude, let it be in you, then you should have a bad attitude or not. You get to decide. Come on. It's true. You get to decide. Life happens to us all. And we get to reflect on what that does in our life. And I want to have a a good attitude in that. We've all experienced moments of transition in our spiritual journey. Israel has undergone significant transitions from bondage in Egypt to 40-year wandering in the wilderness. Joshua chapter 1 that we just read represents a time of transition. Moses is dead. The leader who has led Israel for more than 40 years is gone. The mantle of leadership has been passed to Joshua. And now Joshua is responsible for getting Israel out of the wilderness to the land of promise. And this is a defining moment for Joshua and the children of Israel. Joshua got comfortable in the second seat. He got comfortable being the associate pastor. But now Moses, who I believe was the greatest pastor ever, had to listen to a lot of whining, bickering, and complaining. And I'm not sure I could have done that. When when I get to heaven, I just want to see Moses. I'm going to say, man, you've got to be the greatest pastor ever. Incredible. 
but Moses is dead now and Joshua is having to take up the mantle of being the senior leader to get the people over into the wilderness. How many know that God will equip you for the assignment that he calls you to? And I know that Moses or Joshua is feeling inadequate, but God says, as I was with Moses, Joshua, I'll be with you. And I've come to encourage someone this morning that as God was with Moses, he's still with you. And he wants to help you and encourage you to walk this thing out called life and inspire you and help you and move you from a place of just attending and going through the motions of what it means to be a Christian and living out the life that God's called you to. I'm gonna preach here in a minute. (laughs) Nothing of significance ever happens in our life apart from a decision to make it happen with the courage to break through from where you are. There are two types of people in the world. There are bystanders, People who just sit by the wayside, don't do anything. They just kind of watch things happen. And then there are the movers and the shakers, people who really make things happen. I want to be a mover and shaker in God's kingdom. I feel like I'm really the most inadequate person that grew up in a little country town called Ashland City, Tennessee. And I remember getting up from that altar, and as I was walking back to my seat in my my pew, I remember the Lord saying to me, Ted, you're going to preach the gospel for me. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, you must not have seen me in Miss Mayo's class because in my speech class, my hands were sweating, my knees were knocking, and my mouth was dry, and I couldn't get out two words. I'm the last person. I kind of felt like Moses. All I did was stutter. There's no way that you're going to call me to preach the gospel. So this is what I did. I ran from it for a while. And then one night, I started having a dream about standing before a huge congregation of people preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I, f- I felt the Lord speaking to my spirit. I'm like, oh man, this must be, I'm just so excited about the Lord. I had that dream every single night for 30 days. And finally, I just said, Lord, I th- if you're trying to remind me of something I've been running from that I think you called me to, you take another look. And if you think you can use somebody like Ted Pagel Jr., I'll surrender the call and I'll do what you asked me to do. So this day, Many, 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 many years later, I've never had another dream like it. It's like the Lord says, okay, you've heard, now go and do what I've called you to do. He always equips us to do what's necessary. The difference between the two is choice. Bystanders choose just to watch, movers and shakers choose to participate and to be useful for kingdom purposes. One of the things I've learned in life is that I wanna be a servant. How many wanna be a servant? Come on, I mean, serving people is great. I tell our people all the time, if I, and I pastor a great church in Ocean Springs. My wife and I planted it 13 years ago. In January, we just celebrated 13 years, and, and God has blessed immeasurably. We have 90,000 square feet. Come on, somebody. God has blessed us incredibly. We have a packed house on Sunday mornings. We have over 1,000 people. God's doing some great things in the house. Uh, we just added 100 parking spots to to grow, to expand, to be able to house more people. And I said on the way up here, I thought to myself, I haven't done two services in a long time because, well, since 2020, because we expanded um, and made room for more people in our sanctuary that we could seat about 1,100 people now. Um, And I said on the way up here, I'm doing two, I haven't done two services in a while. I said, I thank the Lord because he knows that we're gonna have to move to two services before long, that you just need to get used to it again. And so I'm ready to do whatever. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it until he calls me home, until I take my last breath. Four things you need to do to live out your destiny. Number one, stop 
living in the past. Philippians 3.13 says it this way, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The challenge we face is we get so tied to our past it's sometimes hard to embrace our future, moving from the old to the new. And it's never an issue with God. God God doesn't, like, uh, he's not timid in moving you out of the old to the new. He's like, snatch you out of there. Uh, And it's not a matter of him forgiving you for the things you've done. It's a matter of us forgiving ourselves. It's a matter of us getting so tied to, like, we don't feel qualified. We don't feel worthy enough to move out of that past stuff. Like, God's done so much for me. I know that he loves me. He can do it for everybody else. But for me and my junk and all the things in my life, it's hard for me to get out of that because I just don't feel worthy enough. Can I tell you this morning that none of us are worthy? But we've been made worthy by the blood of the lamb that we might come in a time of need, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy in the time. All of us need the mercy of God and need the grace of God, but we gotta stop living in our past. Moving forward involves living with our backs to the past. Joshua could have lived forever with a second seat mentality, forever living in the past, holding on to the grief and pondering what life could have been if Moses was still there. But in order for him to embrace his God-given assignment, that was to get the children of Israel to the promised land, he had to let go of the past, and we must too. Too many people dwell on what was rather than enjoying the present and embracing the future. You and I can't do anything about the past except learn from it. And the the present's all we have. We're not assured of tomorrow. So that's why we need to live every day as if it's our last, and one day it will be. I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna stand before the Lord one day like half-hearted. I, I wanna give him all my worship. I, I wanna give him everything. He deserves my extravagant worship. Everything that within me, the Bible says, everything that's in, that has breath, praise the Lord. Amen. I know y'all are breathing, right? Amen. Everything that's within you, praise the Lord. Three things we need to let go of. Our past sins. I I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of those sins that keep, the enemy keeps dropping in your mind, you just need to let go of and know that God has removed them. And the Bible says it this way, he's removed them as far as the east is from the west. Thrown in the sea of forgetfulness, posted a sign there that says no fishing. Come on. And we like to dredge it up, but God says, I, and we try to talk to him about him, and he says, I, I don't know what you're talking about. There are some things that God chooses to forget, and I'm thankful that my sins are buried in the sea of forgetfulness, and I don't have to be enamored with them. I don't have to be bogged down with them. I don't have to be, ooh, glory to God. I'm not snared by them anymore. I, 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 that don't, they don't define my life anymore. I just need to tell someone this morning, listen, you've had a bad chapter in your life, but you're still writing the book and you need to turn the page on a new chapter and recognize that God's got a new chapter for you and he's not finished with you. There's a brand new story coming out and it doesn't matter what's happened because he's a God of grace and mercy. Our past sins got to go. Our our past sorrows we got to let go of. Uh, John 16, 20, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, 
but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful for your sorrow will be turned into joy. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us with all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God gives us permission to move on. And we must give ourselves that same permission by releasing past hurts and losses and offenses. We must also forgive those who cause them. I don't know what the offense was. I don't know who the person was. I don't know what it was they said or what they did. But choosing to forgive, listen to me, choosing to forgive is saying that God's a better justice maker than you are. And, and vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Like, like you, you gotta forgive the same way the Lord forgives you. And it doesn't, and this is where a lot of people will get hung up. It doesn't mean that you don't, what happened to you wasn't terrible. It doesn't mean that it negates anything that was said to you, but what it does say is I am no longer going to allow that to rule my life. And, and I say it this way, I'm never gonna give anybody that much power over my life. I'm not gonna do it. I, Lord's forgiven me, I, freely and freely I will forgive. And let me just say this, the Bible says unless you forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. I don't know how plainer it gets than that. So we gotta walk in that same forgiveness. He's a better justice maker than we are. Number three, our past successes. I'm thankful for last week's service at Centerpoint Church. It was amazing, wonderful. God's done some incredible things. But that was yesterday. That, that was last Sunday. I, I come every Sunday saying, God, that was great. But, but I need a, a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I need to be refreshed. I'm thankful there's, there, there's one, come on, one baptism, but many fillings. You don't fill up your car and ride forever. You gotta fill it up. Same way with the Christian life. The problem is we leak. We leak and we need God to refill us, to give us what we need. And so all those passages, yesterday's home run didn't count today's ball game. As wonderful as last Sunday was, I came here expecting an incredible day. That God was gonna do something phenomenal. That lives were gonna be changed. You're not gonna leave here the same way you came in. Like no more, no more status quo, no more just routine, no more just going through, check the box in the Bible belt of the South, but rather connecting with God. And I'm gonna leave here differently than I was when I came in. You can value past successes and achievements, but you cannot live in them. So we gotta let go of the past, number one. Number two, and I love this, you need to enlarge your faith. The Bible says we've all been given a measure of faith. I say the Lord got stuck when he was giving out faith to me because I have an extraordinary amount of faith and the things that when we got our building and everything, I remember the, uh, the, one of our founding members was, and he was an elder at the time, said, Pastor, he says, man, this, it was at the time was 60,000 square feet and he said, Pastor, I know you're a man of great faith, but he said, man, I think you've lost your ever-living mind. We only had 80, about 85 people at the time, and I said, Brother Bird, I understand. And Brother Bird was a big fan of Resurrection Life, and I knew he knew Pastor Allen. And I said, Brother Bird, I, I know it seems like we, we have all this space. I said, we don't need it at this exact moment, but we're gonna need it. And he's since gone on to heaven, and now we don't have just 60,000, we have 90,000 square feet. And God's doing some phenomenal things. God wants to enlarge our faith, allow him to stretch us 
and do some work. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And I always say, as long as, long as I know that I've heard from the Lord, nobody will ever talk me out of it. It may be the most crazy thought or thing that you could imagine. But if I've heard from the Lord, I just say, if a mouse will pull a house, just ask where the harness is. I have that kind of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. I mean, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Lord, I just expand your faith. Four ways to enlarge your faith. You ready? Number one, don't limit God with small vision. Your pastor and Amy have big vision. They bought 50 acres. Y'all bought 50 acres. They're building a beautiful building there. I promise you, I know the man really well, and I know her very well. We tolerate Alan just so we can hang out with Amy. Just saying. But they are people of great faith, and they love God. All they, all they care about is expanding the kingdom. All they care about is winning another soul. All they care about is not anything for them. You're not building a big building and say, look at us. I know them better than that. That's not them. But they do want to make room to make room because there are still lost people, whether we recognize it or not, there are lost people today that are dying and going to hell. That should move us to a point of tears to say this is not okay for people to be lost. It should motivate us to get on our knees and pray more. When's the last time you prayed for the lost to come to Jesus? But don't limit God with small vision. Dream big. Don't limit God by putting boundaries on your life and the potential of what you can be. God sees much more in you than you think is possible. Begin to stretch your mind to believe the things God believes and knows about you. Your only limitations and restrictions are the one you choose to place on your life. God birthed in every single person in this room tremendous potential. You just have to Expand your way of thinking. God told Joshua every place the sole of your foot would tread had been given to him. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates and the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor are my ways your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get a big vision for your life. I don't care what someone may have said to you. The Lord trumps all that. You may have grew up in a home like you said, you know, you, you're never gonna amount to anything or you're never gonna do this, you're never gonna do that. I wanna tell you that's a lie. The Father has a big vision for you, much bigger than you think. All you have to do, it's not you anyway, it's him. As I said earlier, I'm the last person that would be standing on a platform at Resurrection Life. But I know God had big plans for my life. I just had to give in to them and say, Lord, here I am. I just want to be a vessel. I don't, don't limit him with small vision. 
You're building a a 1,500-seat sanctuary to house 15. Why don't we fill it up four times? There's plenty of lost people. Let's fill it up. Let's, Let's all do our work. Pastor Allen and Amy can't do it all themselves. They're here equipping us to do the work we're called to do, but we all got to join in and do our part. Trust me, if I, if I could be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and, and not pastor and make it to heaven, I would do it. I guarantee you, I'd be the best doorkeeper on planet earth in every house. I greet people with a smile. I encourage them. They may come in with a downcast face and, and downtrodden, but I promise you that when they saw the joy of the Lord in my life, they would have to smile. That should be all of our jobs and responsibilities is inspiring and encouraging people with the life that we live. Number two, and this is huge, that if we're going to raise our level of faith, we got to raise the level of our expectancy. For times of worship... For times of healing, for all aspects of life, we often limit God with low expectations when he desires to do great things. So I've got to raise the level of my expectancy. And so when I came to church, driving from Ocean Springs to Picayune to come to Resurrection Life this morning, I had high expectations. God was going to do something great. God, I knew, hey, if I was the only one that got blessed today, I was going to get blessed. I was going to open the word, read the word. I was going to worship Elisha. I know was going to lead us in worship, and I was going to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. I was going to have a great time. I expected to touch God. I expect in the midst of what God is doing for healings to take place. I've raised the level of expectation. Blind people, deaf people, people with cancer and sickness should not have to walk around that way simply because we simply won't ask God. And you say, well, what if he doesn't do it then? Then it's up to God. We've done our part, but I guarantee you 100% of the time, no one will ever get out of a wheelchair, no blind eye will ever see, or no deaf ear will ever hear if we don't pray over them. Let's put God on the spot. Let him do his thing. Raise your level of expectancy. What would happen in our lives if we came to church? Not just some of us, not just the board, not just some of the worship team, not just some of the greeters. What if every one of us came with a level of expectancy in the house to say, Lord, I'm not leaving this place until I encounter you. I know the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. But Lord, I'm not just looking for your presence. I want your manifest presence. And what I get individually is great, but corporately, there's something in a body like this that happens when we bring our individual worship corporately together and God begins to manifest in the presence in this place. And all of us know the Shekinah glory comes and descends over a house that's expectant for God to move. And if we'd all have that expectancy, I promise you we'd see some things happen. And it wouldn't be church as normal. It wouldn't be church as usual. God would begin to shift and move and make people uncomfortable. And in fact, it happens oftentimes at our church. They don't even wait for me to give an altar call. How dare them? In the middle of worship, they start flooding the altars. Like that's the way it should be. When God moves upon your heart, I tell our our altars are always open. God speaks to you, come. We got a prayer team. They'll come down and pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, pray by yourself. 
But there should be an expectancy that says, God, you're here and you're moving and I want to touch you. So many times our attitude is this though, folks. Help me, Jesus. Our attitude is, Lord, what are you going to do for me today? That's not what church is, folks. Church is coming to give back to him. And the overflow of what we give back to him, we get blessed. There's always a blessing in it. I get the opportunity to trade in the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise. There's a benefit. So there's a benefit when I pour my praise on the one who's worthy. Everyone has breath, praise the Lord. God inhabits the praises of his people. The third thing is we need to live in God's favor. Now, God loves everybody, but I'm a king's kid. And if you're a child of God this morning, you walk in favor. And favor ain't fair. Come on. I want to walk in the favor of God. I want God's favor over my life. And everything I do and everything I say, I want his favor to rest on my life. Favor is defined as something done out of goodwill, preferential treatment, partiality, or a gift bestowed as a token of love. And this is how God deals with his children through his favor in all aspects of their lives. The angel said to her, speaking of Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary's selection wasn't due to her merit. What marked her as special was her obedience once the call was made on her life. But then as a result of her obedience, she experienced God's favor to bear the child who would become the savior of the world. Don't worship Mary, but emulate her in the obedience of what the favor of God that rested on her. Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't make, this doesn't make sense. How, how am I gonna get pregnant by the Holy Ghost? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But nevertheless, I trust you, Lord. I just want to be obedient to what you've asked me. If that's what I'm supposed to do, I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. And I'll rest in that favor. I'm thankful for the favor of God. And I want to walk in the favor of God. Anybody else in the house? The fourth thing we need to do is claim the promises of God. We are the people of a great covenant with the inherent promises of that covenant. Thank God for the Abrahamic covenant. Come on. And the New Testament covenant that belongs to God's children. We, are, we inherit that. Phillips Brooks says, don't ask for task equal to your powers. Ask for power equal to your task. And I, and I love that because inside of all of us who are born again this morning is resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And I'm thankful for that. And I get to operate in that every day of my life. To live out your destiny, number three, we've got to expect opposition from the enemy. You will have opposition if you are living for Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, and listen, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you can expect persecution. You, you can expect opposition from the enemy. The enemy's going to do everything he can to thwart what God is doing in your life. If, if you say, well, Pastor Ted, I don't experience any of that opposition, then I would encourage you to, to pray, get down on your knees, and ask the Lord what's wrong. 
Because if you're doing anything for the king, the enemy is going to oppose that. The forces of evil are going to stand against that and try to stop what God's doing in your life. And if you're going to live for God, I promise you he's going to come against you. But, but greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And so I'm, he can attack me all day long, but, but I put him under my foot where he belongs. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to flee. The only power the enemy has over your life is that which you give him. I always said that you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. I can't stop the enemy from throwing things at me, but I don't have to give in to him. I'm thankful that there's a way of escape for every temptation that comes our way. Praise the Lord. Joshua relied on three things when he faced opposition. Number one, God's power. Oh, thank God for his power. Amen. If you're going to take the territory God has given you, then you will need God's power to do it. And if some of you are trying to recapture some of that territory the enemy's taken, whether it's a daughter or a son or a grandson or a granddaughter or a family member or a friend, that the power of God is greater than the demonic forces that are against you. And so you can take back that territory because the Bible says that all authority has been given to Jesus. Now we lost, we lost that authority in the garden, dominion in the garden. We had, Adam had dominion in the garden, but when sin came in the garden, he released the dominion to the enemy. The enemy had the dominion. He's the prince and power of this world, but the Bible says that God took back that dominion. Come on, somebody. And given us all authority, Jesus said, and I'm giving you that authority that I have. So you have all the authority you need to go against the enemy that's coming against your children and coming against your family, coming against your friends, and you just need to say in Jesus' name, I claim them. Loose them, enemy, and grab them back and claim them. There's prodigals coming home. They're coming home. He relied on not only God's power, but God's presence. Joshua was given God's assurance that he would always be with him and never give up on him. During their time in the wilderness, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night acted as a guide and reassured the Israelites of God's presence. Joshua had personally witnessed presence, his presence for 40 years. I'm thankful for the presence of God. I'm thankful that I have his presence that goes with me. I didn't come here to find the presence of God. God goes with me everywhere I go. As I was with Moses, Ted, I'll be with you in Picayune. I'm going with you. I'm going to ride in that car with you. I'm going to talk to you along the way. I'm thankful for the presence of God. And what I know about the Lord, he's been talking already. We had a ton of hands went up in the early service that said, he spoke to me today, pastor. Our responsibility is to be obedient to whatever the Lord asks us to do. The third thing he relied on was God's promise. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, which is a continuing promise for us. The last thing I'll share with us today is to live out our destiny. We need to elevate God's word in our life. Elevate success or failure in mission is directly tied to one's relationship with the truth of God's word. I started a brand new series at our church um, and it's our theme for the years, make room. And last week I talked about making room for the word of God. The logos, this is the logos. Thank God for the word, amen? 
the Logos, and it's beautiful and wonderful, but if I never spend any time in the Logos, I'll never get a rhema word. I guarantee you 100% of the time, you will never get a rhema word if you don't spend time in the Logos. You gotta make room for the word of God. God wants to speak to us. And it's amazing in the season we walk in and what we might be dealing with or going through, how revelatory the scripture comes alive and it becomes a rhema moment and tears just start flowing. It's like, my God, awesome. Like God's speaking directly to me in this moment. But it will never happen if we don't elevate the word in our life. We need to do that. So how do we do that? We do three things. We gotta proclaim it. Let, the Bible says, let it not depart from your mouth. The very act of reading and then speaking the word out loud has an inherent power. When we confess with our lips, that very confession creates a sense of reality that does not exist just by thinking about something. Then we need to meditate on the word day and night. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And to meditate on the word. I'm not talking about Eastern religion. I'm talking about the word of God. There's a difference between Eastern meditation, when they talk about meditation, and meditation concerning the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Here's, here's how we meditate on the word of God. I think sometimes I think, man, I'm really, really walking through a tough time, a, a struggle or something. Then I remember a, a revelatory word, a rhema word comes to me and says, Ted, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end. Though people walk out of your life, I want you to know I'll never walk out of your life. I'm gonna be with you to the very end. We, we gotta meditate on it. I, I need to know that. I need to know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to know that I bought with a price. God doesn't buy junk, come on. Last thing, you gotta do all that is written in it. Let me just make this last statement and I'll close. It's powerful. I want you to hang on to it. Deliberate, because this is all about obedience. I told the first service, I said, you can bring in, you can bring in T.D. Jakes, you can bring in Rod Parsons, you can bring in whoever you want to, preach the gospel, but unless you respond, unless you're obedient to the word, our responsibility, one of the greatest days of my life when I recognize that I'm just in sales, he's in management. Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. I just know that I deliver the word and what he says, it will never return void. So how God has moved and spoken to you this morning about your level of expectancy, about your small vision, when he wants you to expand vision, wants to enlarge your faith, whatever God's talked to you about, I know he's talked to you Question is, will you be obedient to what he's asked you to do? And here's what I wanna say. Deliberate or intentional disobedience destroys intimacy. The quickest way to destroy intimacy with God is to be disobedient. And you say, what's that mean, pastor? It means when God speaks to you and he asks you to come to an altar and, and, and kneel and pray and work some things out, that means you have a responsibility to do that. And the moment that you're deliberately not doing that and you're disobedient to what he asked you to do, you are destroying your intimacy with him. He loves you. He doesn't move. Well, Pastor, I've been at that altar a hundred times. I don't care if it's 1,500. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. 
All that matters is what the Lord says. And if the Lord says, do it, I don't care. I go to the altar all the time. I don't think like, what are our people? There's Pastor Ted at the altar. I could give a rat's rear. I'm going to pray. I'm doing what God tells me to do. Because I, I don't want to destroy any intimacy that I have with him. And I know that when he speaks to me, and if I don't respond appropriately, then I'm being disobedient. That means my intimacy with him is severed. I don't want that. I want to be intimate with God all the days of my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Will you choose to enter the promised land or will you remain in the, in the wilderness? You gotta stop living in the past, enlarge your faith, expect when you make that choice to move opposition from the enemy and then you're gonna need to elevate God's word in your life. And if you'll do those things, I promise you, you'll begin to live out your destiny that God has for you. He's got an incredible destiny for you. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come this morning and I'm gonna open up the altars for a few moments this morning. We won't belabor the point, but I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And I'm gonna talk to you for just a moment. Let the Lord speak to you. I, I know the Holy Spirit's been churning and I know he's been speaking and it's up to you on whether you're going to be responsible and obedient to what he's asked you to do. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna ask you a personal question. Has the Lord spoken to you about anything this morning during this service or this message? If he has, would you slip up your hand? I just wanna see your hand all over this place. God bless you. I see those hands. I see those hands. Now, now here's the question. Will you act on that, that which the Lord has spoken to you about and take a step of faith out into the aisle and come to an altar and work it out with the Lord? No one needs to know, no one has to know. If you want them to know, that's fine. Want them to pray with you, that's great. But if it's something you just need to give to the Lord, then we wanna invite you to come and step out and say, Lord, here I am. As a step of, of obedience, I, I do not wanna be disobedient and I do not want to destroy the intimacy that you and I have. Father, in these next few moments, Holy Spirit of God, you are the one that said, if you be lifted up, you draw all men unto yourself. I thank you for this wonderful place called Resurrection Life. I thank you for their wonderful pastors. I thank you for these wonderful people. I pray, Lord, give us courage to step out and come to an altar and say, Lord, here it is. I've heard you loud and clear, and now I'm gonna surrender it to you, and I need your help, and I know that you're gonna help me today. Thank you, Father, for loving me the way you do. Even in my failures, even when I don't always live up to it, you're still drawing me and you're still calling me and you're still loving me and you're expanding visions in my life and you're enlarging my faith. You're doing some remarkable things, Lord, and I wanna say yes to you, yes to you, and whatever you desire to do in my life today, I'm gonna do it. As they begin to sing, I'm gonna ask you to step out. If you lifted up your hand, I want you to step out from where you are. Don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed, but walk out from where you are and just say, here I am. Come on, don't worry about what your neighbor thinks. If you lifted up your hand, come. Come on, step on out. There were a lot of hands that went up. And just as an obedience of faith, I promise you God will do something great in your life if you'll just step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, I'm here to do it. I'm gonna do it. Come on, come on. Come on, don't, don't miss this moment. Just talk to the Lord. 
Don't miss it. God is moving. God is speaking. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Come on. Don't miss it. Oh, where would we be, Lord, without your love? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Every desire of his heart, Lord. Fill him to overflowing, God. Meet every need, every desire. God, thank you for what you're doing in this moment, Father. Oh, we glorify you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Father, bless this young man, Lord. Touch him, Lord, today. Meet every need of his heart. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit. Give him every desire of his heart, oh, God. Meet him. Enlarge his faith, Lord. Stretch him. Give him big visions for his life, Lord. Show him what you have for him, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Bless this young lady. Lord, touch her, Lord, today in a special way. Meet every need that she has, oh God. Expand yourself in her and do what only you can do. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we glorify you, Lord. We glorify you. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this couple. God, I pray a blessing over them today. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their surrender. Thank you for their obedience to you and for the leadership of who you are. I pray a blessing over them, the Lord. I pray you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that they can't contain today, that you would expand yourself in them, the vision for their life, their faith. Lord, raise their level of expectancy every time they walk through these doors in their life, in their home, in their business, whatever the Lord they do. I pray, God, that you will keep your hand upon them. Stretch them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you. Bless the Lord today. Touch, Lord. Thank you. Meet every need, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless this young man, I pray. I'll touch him in the intercessions parts of his heart, oh God, and meet every need he has. Fill him, Lord, afresh and anew. Expand yourself in him. Stretch him, Lord. Enlarge his faith. Raise his level of expectancy. Lord, get big vision for him. No longer small visions over his life, but get a big vision for what you have for him. Thank you for what you're doing in this moment. I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, will meet every need in From the top of his head to the bottom of the soles of his feet, God, flood him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for his obedience. Bless obedience, Lord. So today, bless him beyond measure. Like today will be a defining moment in his life that it will never be the same again. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this moment. Jesus. As they uh, continue to pray around the altar, give reverence to this moment and this time. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. 
Thank you for their lives. Thank you for the awesome honor and privilege to speak your word into their hearts and into their lives. I pray, God, that you will richly bless them. Bless them as they come and as they go. Keep your hand upon them. Watch over them. And Lord, give us a great week this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Bless this house and bless Pastor Allen and Amy, Lord, in a special way. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Expecting to hear a word from the Lord this morning because certainly Pastor Ted brought a powerful, challenging message about how we can attain our destiny in the Lord. And then we closed out our time of worship by singing, God is so good. Let me challenge you, let me encourage you this week to live in the goodness of God and declare how good He is to you. And to me, thank you so much for joining us here at Resurrection Life. We hope that you'll be with us next Sunday. And remember that God really does love you.